If you hear the word SEO and you start getting sweaty palms, this episode is for you. If it all feels really complicated, this episode is going to demystify it all for you. My friend Adrienne Metz is here today to spill the beans on all the ways you can make blogging easier and more effective. It's a long episode, but some of the juiciest stuff is at the end, and I'm not just saying that. Let's climb up those ranks, y'all. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high-energy visuals and short-form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Adrian, how's it going? Hi, Deanna. I am so well. How are you? Good. All right, Adrian. I just need to say really fast that I know a lot of people who've talked about SOLs. I have a lot of people I know who talk about SEO. And I just feel like recently it's all sort of come together and click. And I feel like working with you has helped do that for me. So I'm just excited that you're here today. Can you tell the people just a little bit about you and your background? Yeah. So I'm Adrian Metz. I am the head of marketing at a company called Payload, and we do customer rewards, which is fun. I've been making content for about 20 years. My background is in marketing, but my most of my expertise is in content and SEO. So I have written all sorts of things, and I'm excited to bring my experience here and chat with you about it a little bit. Okay. So the one thing is that when I first kept learning about SEO and I'm not saying that other people didn't teach it correctly. I'm just saying I probably listened to it and also thought, "Mm, it sounds fake. Like I was just like, "Eh," or too complicated or like, just not for me. I don't have time. It's too much. I'm not even doing that. And so then just because we became friends and started hanging out, I was like, all right, maybe I'll listen again. And so today I wanted to go over some myths that I thought, and I hope that the listeners aren't like, Deanna, I can't believe you thought that. Maybe they thought it too. Who knows? But I want to go over a couple myths that I thought were real. And part of the reason why I didn't want to do SEO was because of these things. So I'm going to dive right in. Myth number one was that you could kind of like only write something once and put it out there. And then you just had to... I don't want to say people are like, you You thought you couldn't edit your post? No, I knew I could edit my post, but I didn't know I'd like keep adding to it. I thought if I wanted to become an expert on, let's say, branding, I would have to keep writing more and more and more blogs on branding. Just yeah. do it better, like do it slightly better, tweak it, whatever. I didn't know that I could go back to that original blog on branding and add to it. And New transform it, really. It's more it's sometimes they end up being totally different years later and it's that total transformation that it's hard to imagine happening until you go back that many times and improve it. Well, I'm like, isn't Google going to be mad at me if I put one blog out and then years later, it's completely different, but you say, no, it's totally fine. It's actually good to do that. It's actually good because you are adjusting to what, you know, searchers are looking for. And at the end of the day, you're just trying to learn how to speak the language of the person on the other end of Google and people type in the weirdest stuff to find where they need to go. And they type it in different every time. And we're putting out content with the goal of 
showing those users that you can answer their question and help them solve their problem the best. So this myth that you write something once and then it just kind of like goes into the archive and it's back in the end of the feed. You want to keep your pieces fresh. And so we call this, I call it like editorial debt where you have a lot of pieces. They're all very old. You're like, oh my gosh, how do I go back and I refresh all of these things? I would start by just picking a couple that are the most important to you or the ones that have done a little bit of numbers over the years. Go back to those and see what it feels like to do a complete refresh. And this is not just editing the piece, but also adding more bits to make it comprehensive. You want to make it as comprehensive as possible and solve the user's query or problem the fastest while also being concise because you don't need to write on and on forever. You just need to get them what they need to know. And going back and saying, you know, years later, there's new opinions about this topic. Going back and updating your piece to reflect that and be more helpful is a way to keep your whole body of content really, really fresh. Nice. It's funny because I think a lot of us tweak our website all the time. Like if you're allowed, if you have a web developer who, and you can't like do it, but people like me, I'm in show it and I go in and I tweak and I change stuff all the time, but I've never thought to go back and do that with blogs. So that blew my mind. I was like, oh yeah. Do you get like street cred from Google because your blog was there longer Mm -hmm. if you're updating it? Yeah. And frequency of updates is also a signal that you're more frequently the freshest. So some pages that are out of the internet that are really, really important to brands, the most important page on their website, it might get updated multiple times in a day by an editor. And at a minimum, they're revisiting them once a week. Okay, That seems like a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to go back and do them every day, but you're sending a signal that your stuff is fresh. And that's another goal is like, as soon as I hear about a new thing that's out there, like even coronavirus, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to write a page about this because it's (laughs) about to be a thing. And this is like January, you know? So I put up a thing really fast. And then all of a sudden it's the first and kind of like, very few URLs out there on it. And so people start coming to the page and then we start going, oh my gosh, what else should we write about this? We need to give people resources. We need to give people ideas. We need to help them anticipate what's coming. And so being like first to the internet on a topic can be really super helpful. Okay. As long as you stay up to date, like you're, you can't be like first and then your website's like old and dusty. Google is not worried about it. They're worried about the people who came after you who are updating their stuff. And we were talking before about how your static nine grid page is a page about Instagram static nine grids. We love it. And this is a really (laughs) great example of something that you didn't use a keyword tool to find this topic. You just kind of heard about it and, and then saw it a couple times and then made one for yourself. And then you put up an article about it. And it just so happens that it was very early on. It's a pretty strong URL because of that. And every time you go back and you refresh that page and you add something new to it or a new example, you're kind of like feeding that authority of the page. And you're reiterating that like you're comprehensive, you're fresh, you're unique, and you're the best coverage of this topic. 
Yeah. And we've talked about um, my nine grid. So Adrian and I talk about my nine grid, you know, like Adrian will send me graphs and be like, oh my God, it's killing it. So we talk about my nine grid. We're obsessed with it. But even ideas like Adrian has been like, what, what size should it be? Or like, would you make a template? Which if you've listened to me for any length of time, I don't love a template, but I do think I could help someone reading that article think about how they're going to approach it or something like that. I don't know that I would ever make a template. And again, you don't have to do everything just to like win. You can like stay true to yourself, but it is interesting. We are literally talking about adding a whole section about size recommendations or behind the scenes of how I set it up in Photoshop and Canva or whatever. That did not exist when I first wrote it. So we are literally talking about adding whole new bits of information that weren't there before. Like right. that is totally allowed when you have taught me too that you can change the title, you can change the subtitle, like you can change lots of stuff. But I know you have taught me that there is one part of it mm-hmm. that we should probably not change. Yes. Which is? The permalink. You want to be really careful about the URL that you set. And if you're working in WordPress or any other kind of CMS, it's going to generate a permalink automatically for you based on the title that you give it. So if you're giving it some like cute title, what shows up in that URL area, it's called the slug, like the end of the URL. It's going to be whatever, 10 holiday remixes on the blah, blah, blah. Like if it's that long, that's going to be in the permalink. And what you really want to do is edit that before you go live. I tell people to set it like a tattoo, like changing it is as painful as removing a tattoo because it triggers a lot of dependencies. All the previous links where it was will break if you're just changing it willy nilly after it's been live. And so you really want to set it to be kind of isolated down to your keyword or the topic of the page, the main focus of the page. Like for you, it's just static nine grid. It could be Instagram grid. It could be a whole bunch of other variations, but Google knows what you mean when we say static nine grid. And so that's the URL. It's not like 10 ways to do it in 2024. That's it. It's just kind of isolated down to the keyword and That gives you the liberty in the title to say like best practices for 2024 or use something that's not evergreen, like, you know, or 10 ways to do it. I typically recommend not putting dates in your URLs or the the number of items in the list, like five ways to do whatever, because that number will change. And as you go back and improve your page and expand it, you might be 10 someday. And so you just want to isolate it down to something that will be evergreen. Uh, Let me say this really fast because I feel like everybody always says, oh, putting like five ways to do this, three ways to do this is like SEO gold, like people like that. And so I just want to quickly take a second to be like, you only don't want that in the permalink because if you change it later and it's six ways, seven ways, like it doesn't give you a lot of uh, margin for going somewhere with it. Yes. So you still feel like it would be totally fine to name it. Because I just don't want people listening to be like, oh my God, what? I thought I was, oh, I'm so annoyed. I thought I was supposed to. You could totally name your blog five ways to approach a nine grid. 100%. But the permalink is going to be static nine grid. The title can be that. Because as I add, it could turn into 10. It could turn into exactly. like 101 ways. Just kidding. Probably not. Right. Ways. But yes. Okay. I just wanted to like do that because I know people are like, oh, using numbers, like a list is great. Yeah. And I like that you said the are- date. The date being in the permalink would be bad because it would tell Google like, oh, she wrote this in 2024 and yeah. now it's 2027. This is old news. It's old. You can keep updating the title. Keep the Exactly. And so the title and the and what you'll hear is the title tag or SEO title 
that's going to be what shows up in the Google search results. So that's where you put your flair and your mm -hmm. flourish. So if you want to have 35 pieces of flair, you can stick it right there into the title tag. It can be 15 ways to set off your nine grid in 2024 updated and brackets, free download template. Da, da, da. Like if you want all that in there, yes, you can put that in there. Just don't put it in the permalink because then you're kind of trying to do too much. Uh, and, and the broken, and I just want to say the broken links are bad, not just because it's like annoying for people to get a broken link, but it's like bad for your SEO. Like Google starts to be like, well, this website doesn't really know what it's doing. It's broken. It's jankety website. It's not exactly. just like, oh, that's a bummer. And you're thinking, well, they can just get to a 404 page. Like who cares? It like tells Google, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. The more broken links you have, the more it affects the user experience. And if Google has to load a second page, like it's, they're all redirecting, you want to go back to the source and clean all that stuff up. So if you end up changing a link, just go find it in the other places on the page and then re-link re it to the new link. And that should take care of it, but it's, you know, you have to set up an audit and, and do the thing. And so it's just easier to kind of be like, okay, what are my directions before mm -hmm. you do it? <laughs> it's a tattoo. I love thinking about that. It's a tattoo. Yeah. So choose wisely, y'all. Okay. We just talked about keywords for a second. So I want to go into myth number two, which is about keywords. And I thought, I actually, now that, I, now that we're talking about the tattoos, I'm like, I thought that the keywords were kind of a tattoo that like each post only had one keyword. And if I wanted to rank for, you know, I guess when you research, like for me, when I used to research um, keywords, it would be like, we'll just keep going with the Instagram static nine grid. Like it could be Instagram nine grid, static nine grid, uh, you know, whatever, static Instagram nine grid, whatever. I think I was confusing like a little bit the permalink and this, and like, if I want to rank for this keyword, I have to write a blog. Now I want to also rank for Instagram nine grid. Now I want to rank for static oh. nine grid. And I just felt like, oh, you just have to keep cranking up content in order to rank. But that is not the case. Correct. It's more like one page equals one topic rather mm -hmm. than one keyword, because one keyword is going to narrow you down too far. If you narrow it down to a topic, that topic is still never going to change. Like Instagram nine grid is a thing, even if people keep kind of renaming it or typing it in a different way each time. You've picked one that's one of the most commonly searched terms. So it's like the way most people search it. It's the highest volume word of the bunch. And then all the ones that you're confident mean the same thing, you just batch in with that. And like maybe you'll alternate your use of it because it's saying in Instagram nine grid over and over and over again is you know, gets repetitive. And so you can kind of vary up the words a little bit. And just if you write naturally or conversationally, a lot of that happens on its own. So it's really like one topic equals many potential keywords, mm -hmm. especially if that the topic itself has a lot of variations where you're like, oh, it could be this, it could be that. Just write comprehensively and you'll collect all those variations. Back to the point about inserting new sections, this is where you can actually pick up more like narrow keywords. So let's say there's, you know, using the example, when I said, could we put a template on there? Can you put a section on resolution? Those are words that I'm seeing in 
the keyword tool or even in Google itself, I'll do the search and kind of see those in the people also ask or other areas where I'm noticing like, okay, people want to know this. That's, I want to add that to your post so that you can also cover that. So not only do you rank for the main word, Instagram nine grid or static nine grid, but you also rank for these smaller words that are more specific, like best practices, pros and cons, resolution, template, examples, captions, order, all those things that people are kind of adding on to the main search as they look for more and more detailed information. You're adding that to your piece as those questions come up in popularity. And now all of a sudden you continually have the most comprehensive piece on the internet. When do you know when it's time to like branch off? How would I know? Okay. This does actually feel like a whole nother topic, not just adding to this big thing. Great question. It is a little bit of an art and a little bit of a science. I'm like contractually obligated to say that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) A little art, a little science. Like they will, you'll hear that a lot in SEO. And one of the main ideas is that if you feel like you're digressing too far from the main topic, it's a new page. You know, it's like your ninth section and you're like, why this matters for niche audience or very niche situation. That should just be its own thing. <laughs> Especially if that own thing opens up a whole nother group of nuances that you want to make sure you get across. You Mm want to write 1,200 words on that topic, but you're not going to add it to this other 1,200 word page on 9Grid. You're going to move it somewhere else. And that might be like copyright issues for Instagram or like whatever it is where you're like, actually, this is its whole own thing. If you get that feeling, do what I call kind of like a teaser where you're introducing the concept and then you're linking off to the whole new other dedicated article on that topic where you can actually really fully unpack it and be a little bit more comprehensive. So it is a little bit of a feeling where you're like, oh, this, I'm really going off the rails now. Like just mm-hmm. put it on a new page or save it in a doc somewhere or even leave it on that page until you're ready to write that new article and you can move it over. So, you know, you can delete things from your pages as well. You don't have to just keep adding, adding, adding. You can say, oh, this doesn't apply anymore. All these sections about COVID, let's go back and delete them. They're not relevant anymore. And that should, you know, help you figure out what to write about and just narrow it down. There are pages out there on the internet where, I mean, it could collect 10,000 keywords. A really solid, huge page with a ton of volume might have 10,000 keyword variations that it's ranking for. And on the other end, sometimes I write stuff where there's just like one keyword, but it's mm-hmm. my exact audience and I know who exactly who they are. And I want to win that one, that one searcher a month. And to me, that's worth it. So it just depends on what you want to write about, what kind of expert you are. What do you have to share? Oh my gosh. Well, I love that also giving the power back to us about I think we can get bogged down in like, what's the keyword? Okay, that this is telling me exactly what I have to write about or what my podcast episode should be about. And then you lose all your personality and spunk and fun because you're just doing what the search results told you. When maybe there's something you could rank for that, like you said, doesn't even exist yet or could be adjacent to that and could like Google could figure it out and clump it with the thing that you could have ranked for. So, yeah. Okay. 
I'm gonna take a quick break and then when we come back, I wanna dive into myth number three. Okay, we won't shut up about static nine grids in this episode, so it makes sense that the ad would tell you what the heck it is. It's a strategic set of posts that you post on Instagram and then you never have to post again. I mean, you can do reels or stories if you want, and obviously you could change it later, but you could also just toss your phone in a lake and move on with your life. (laughs) Just kidding. The coolest thing about them is that I work with you to get really specific about your expertise, what you offer, and how people can work with you. So when people internet stalk you and get to Instagram, they fall head over heels in love with you and you're chilling out on a boat somewhere on the lake, right? Go to DeannaSeymour.com slash Static9Grid to see the post we keep talking about in this episode. And then hit me up if you want to chat more about breaking up with the algorithm for good. Okay, so let's talk about myth number three, which kind of goes along with what you were saying before. You said 1,200, and I was like, 1,200. I feel like I've always heard of SEO having a magic number for how much, how long does it have to be to be considered like long enough for SEO? I think the word, the number was like 2,500 back when I was first trying to do SEO. And I was like, no way. That's what, that's kind of why I was like, I'm making a podcast. No way I'm writing 2,500 words. So tell us the magic number or debunk that myth. Take it away. (laughs) I know it's funny because there's this thing that SEOs say in a lot to every answer, which is, it depends. It depends (laughs) is a very popular answer in the industry because it really does change depending on what you're trying to do. And it is a little bit of a choose your own adventure. Like you don't have to do the thing just because someone told you to do it. So with the word count, there's a few things to keep in mind. Your ultimate goal is to deliver new, useful information to the internet and to meet intent as quickly and comprehensively as possible. So what does that mean? It means that every searcher has a goal. When they go to Google, they're looking for something. They're either looking for directions or entertainment or maybe a login to their Facebook or they have a question. So they're often looking for information, a solution to a problem, entertainment, things like that. If you deliver that answer faster than anybody else, you will rank the best for that word. It really is about meeting the searcher's query, meeting them where they are in their journey. Their intent is to get an answer to this thing, to get a solution to this problem. If you provide that efficiently, Google will see that and you will be rewarded for it. So with word count, it's not that shorter is better or longer is better. It's that you unpack the topic and comprehensively deliver all the information a user would need to know about it in a very readable, understandable package. So what does that mean? It means like one tip is if you go back and read your headers, the very first sentence of the paragraph under the header should answer it like a question. Mm. So if it's like, you know, Instagram nine grid best practices, the first thing should say the number one best practice is to X. You don't want to go into like, oh, my grandmother's pot roast recipe. She was raised in the end. She, you know, like you don't have to go into the whole backstory. You got to read the first sentence and it should feel like an answer to the header right above it. So that's Mm -hmm. one way to know, like, am I meeting intent? 
if, if someone walked up to you and asked you a question, would you be like, Instagram nine grids are a great way to meet your audience and to save yourself time. They'd be like, no, no, I asked you for the resolution, you yeah. know? So it'd feel weird if someone did that in person. We don't really notice it when we're writing, but go back and read it out loud and you will really see it. So with word count, unless you're writing news, I try to make my pieces more than four or 500 words. And that ensures that I'm saying something mm. that is useful and new for the internet. And it might include a graphic. So if the intention is directions, you know, the map is at the top mm -hmm. and you can download the map with a quick link to your phone. That's meeting intent and it doesn't even use words, but I'm still going to put words on the page because I'm going to say, watch out, there's construction on 27th street. You're going to have to go around. And so now all of a sudden I'm adding like unique, useful information, not just the directions. And that's kind of a poor example, but, and then for a big like category page, like this nine grid page is having to win this whole topic. It might get up to 2,500 words and that's totally okay, but you should need them all. You should read it and go, oh gosh, there's no redundancies. There's no fluff. I'm not saying a bunch of stuff about this other thing. It's all on yeah. point and kind of in order of what people would want to know. If you're doing that, then I generally don't worry about the word count. I go mm -hmm. anywhere between like 500 and 3,000. Most of them end up around 1,000 and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, and also now that we've done myth number one, I feel like you can write a blog post that's only 400 or 500 words. Get it out there. If you're on like you have some goals set in your head, like you want to write a blog a week, a blog every other week, get them out there, but don't forget to spend time making them even better and maybe adding to them. And as things pop up or if you notice things, you notice other people talking about them, keep adding to them to get to that big mark if you want to. Like maybe yeah. it's even better. Would you say maybe for someone new who is crunch for time, solopreneur, like doing it all by themselves, like maybe <clears throat> writing bi-weekly blogs so that on that off week you could go back and add to blogs or make them better. Oh, wonderful Would that idea. Be better? Okay. Yes. I get this interview question all the time, which is how do you spend your day? And I typically tell people I spend it one third of my day on old content and then one third of my day on new content. And then one third of my day on like marketing and distribution and making connections and networking and all of strategy, all that kind of stuff. But I'm kind of dividing my time equally. So I also sometimes call it the caboose where I'm like, all right, I need to bring up the rear. I might just pick like the 10 oldest pages and just do them for the next month. And then I know I've kind of like brought up the rear and I've got a couple months before I have to do that again. So mm -hmm. I, uh, there's a couple different strategies I use. Um, but I'd say, especially if you're just getting started, writing small pieces that are useful is a really good challenge because you're like, oh my gosh, how do I actually get out 500 words that says something useful? And that's really the key. So if you can do that and you can go back and make it better, you will soon have a lot of really nice magnets on your site that bring in people organically. And, and from there, it's just onward. Yeah. Okay. This was super fun. I hope people were not listening, being like, Deanna, I can't believe you thought all those things. Hopefully they're nodding along and really excited and their mind is blown. Is there anything else that we like didn't get to that you just want to make sure people know before we leave? Oh, gosh, great 
Great idea. Yeah, set your permalinks. Make sure you have a title tag. Meet intent. I'd say if you're a podcaster, one of the best ways to get started with SEO is to transcribe your podcasts. So make sure that you've got the words that are readable on Google. And we've talked about in this past, how, how much do you edit it? Because some of the narrative that can come out is a little conversational. Just do the best you can. It's better to have them on there, even if it's in in kind of like a raw dialogue format than not have it at all. Because remember, Google can only read the words. It can't read your podcast or your video. But if you put up your transcriptions, it can. So yeah, just remember so that. Would you recommend like maybe at the bottom of what would be normally considered show notes, you say like, keep reading to just read the transcripts or- Yeah, I'll say yeah. like, read the whole article here. And then I just repeat it. And that also gives me an opportunity to link to other pages on my site and to be a little bit more accessible because I don't have captions on all my videos. And so anyone who's impaired, all of a sudden I can reach them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine's linked to a Google doc right now, which is not helping my SEO at all. Yeah. You can put it all on the website. Yeah. All right. I like that. That's a good, good last tip. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Adrian. This was yeah. awesome. This was like... 30 minutes jam-packed of amazing SEO tips. I am here for it and I'm so excited. I hope people find it as amazing as I did. Thanks for Thank being you. here. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Adrienne and how she can help make all your SEO dreams come true, head over to adriennekfuller.com and learn more about all her amazingness. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink, wink. And last but not least, if you want to remain in my world and get some really fun emails in your inbox, head over to deannaseymour.com newsletter to join my email list. See you next time.